0: Hey, everyone. It's episode 34 of The Photo Show with Yola Monikov-Stockton. So we're releasing this on Tuesday, November 15th. Uh, Kai, what's coming up?
1: 2016. (laughs) Yes. Well, let's see. Right up the bat, I got to mention that uh, Thomas Roma, who was featured... uh, in the first season of the photo show, and had a two-part episode that you can listen to, and comes up frequently on the show. Everyone should know him by now. Yeah. Uh, he has an exhibition up right now at Stephen Kasher Gallery, uh, which is on Twenty Sixth Street in Chelsea in Manhattan, and that is uh, called Plato's Dogs Trilogy. And it's interesting because uh, Stephen Kasher decided to not just install the new work, which are these dog shadows that go along with his new book from Powerhouse Books called Plato's Dogs, but uh, paired it with two other bodies of work. One are 11 by 14 prints from uh, a previous book, The Waters of Our Time, and the other section is from his book Higher Ground which I had seen the Higher Ground pictures before, but nobody had seen the Waters of Our Time pictures uh, printed that large because in the book they're quite small.
0: Yeah, actually it was, it was great to see that work uh, printed. Even, even Higher Ground I had not seen uh, in a while, so it was actually really nice to see prints of everything. And, of course, the Plato's Dogs prints were very different in that they were, they were quite large, those yeah, prints. Yeah,
1: and they're inkjet prints. That's which right, which is... For Thomas Roma is very unusual. (laughs) So you could see inkjet prints in the front and you go around this wall and then there are these gorgeous uh, silver, gelatin silver, silver gelatin prints that uh, he made in his darkroom. And I think the, if I remember correctly, the higher ground ones, because of the range of light, he flashed those with like a magenta light to bring the paper range in and all kinds of crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. But they're they're, they're beautiful. How much
0: longer is that show up for?
1: It's up until December 23rd. There you go. Right, for, <laughs> right before Christmas. Yeah, Thank so you. that's
0: up till December 23rd. Uh, and then there's a book.
1: There is the book, which I mentioned. Yep, Plato's Dogs from Powerhouse. Everyone should order. I think it's $40. And uh, it's beautiful, of course. What else is going on? Uh, at the? These are all New York-centric things, but at the uh, Museum of the City of New York opening tomorrow, uh, they're doing a number of events, and uh, photographer Joseph Michael Lopez was commissioned to photograph, uh, pictures of New York, sort of a, an extension of his series, Dear New Yorkers, if people know that from being in Leica like magazine and on his website and other places. So that's coming up. Do you want to talk about Pen & Brush, Michael?
0: Yeah. So we recorded an episode, an upcoming episode at Pen & Brush, which is a 122-year-old uh, nonprofit art organization, which is dedicated to promoting women in the arts. So we spoke to Trisha Wright, who's primarily a painter, and she has an exhibition right now as part of a group exhibition at Pen and & Brush, and that is on 29 East 22nd Street. And it's a, it's a mixed media show. It's um, kind of like a relief sculpture and painting and, uh, and installation work. And we'll have a much more in-depth conversation about Trisha's work and how it relates to photography. But we wanted to mention it now because uh, the show is up now, and also they're interested in promoting this new space that they have and it's a beautiful space uh, and also reaching out to more female photographers um who might want to be represented by them who might want to show there so it's pen and brush all one word and the and is spelled out org
1: yep um let's see what else is going on uh, Well, there's, there's
0: always patrice helmar's uh marble hill camera club camera and supper club uh and if you want to know, you know more about that or how to get involved in that, uh, the best way would be to, to probably follow
1: her on Instagram, right? Yeah, or you can go to Facebook and look up the Marble Hill uh, Cameron Supper Club. They've got a page, and then you'd know about when the next one is coming up. And I believe she's starting a mailing list, too, but it's mentioned on the Facebook page. Great. Yeah. Uh, Another event that's coming up this week, if you're listening to it in time, is uh, on Friday at Transmitter Gallery uh, here in Bushwick, Brooklyn at seven o'clock. Stephen Hilger and Thomas Roma will be having a conversation about uh, the work that Stephen has in the show at Transmitter right now and speaking about his book, Um, which is one of the five SPQR books called Back of Town. So if you can come out to that, um, Transmitter Gallery is a great space here that uh, Carl Gunhouse and several others uh, started and launched, mm, God, I think it's about two years ago.
0: And you'll be there, I imagine?
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: so unfortunately, I cannot make it because I am coaching my son's final soccer game
1: of the season. Go, Dad. Yeah, I'm very sorry to miss that. Well, uh, before we start talking about this episode, uh, I just wanted to say I was reminded today, I was out with my Photo 2 class, and we uh, took out 8x10 view camera and went out and photographed, and it was a little drizzly and a little this, and uh, we're holding the dark cloth over our head and to stay out of the rain and stay bundled up. But it just reminded me of... You know, in this age of uh, Instagram and iPhones and everything, it's there's still something about taking out a view camera and looking at the image on a ground glass upside down. And that just, you know, it just brings back all those early magical feelings.
0: Yeah, you posted a photo on Instagram for the Columbia Darkroom account. And uh, it's a massive camera.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it's a. <laughs> When I bought my 8 by 10 view camera, uh, Stephen Shore told me, was it Stephen Shore? Oh boy, I could get it wrong. Yeah, I think it was Stephen Shore told me it was going to ruin my life, but yeah. it didn't in the long run. <laughs> All right, so uh, this is an interesting episode with uh, a young artist, I say, because she's just about my age, uh, Yola, <laughs> Yola Monikov-Stockton. And, uh, Yola has uh, an incredible life story and, uh, you're going to hear that, uh, uh, Michael and I get a couple of words in edgewise while we sit back (laughs) and listen to, uh, this journey that she went through from, uh, You know, Soviet Union. Yeah, Soviet (laughs) Union, being in academia uh, for uh, like Italian literature and all these things, then finding photography, becoming a conflict photographer, uh, getting out of that and coming to graduate school. And she has a book out and she's teaching at um, upstate New York.
2: And we caught.
1: Yeah, Yeah, Buffalo State, or Buff State as she refers to it. (laughs) And uh, we got to catch her just as she was coming through to speak at Photoville, which is a thing that probably our listeners would have heard of, and uh, specifically talking about photography and education. So um, it's an interesting conversation, and I, I hope everyone enjoys it. Anything you want to add to that, Michael?
0: Yeah, because there is so much to say, and Yola has so many great stories Uh, It runs a little bit longer than our our usual episodes, but it is a fascinating life story.
1: Without further ado.
0: (laughs) All right, everyone. Enjoy the show. We'll talk soon.
3: to babysit all day long and oh. they also had grandchildren coming nice. from, but <laughs> but, the, but we're like and we haven't had I don't know if we've ever had that so it's like oh for only $700 <laughs> you can Uh-oh, fly down, down your whole family <laughs> like, yeah we flew down well, oh my no, my god there's, I couldn't have possibly done it from well, Buffalo it's it's 11 hours it, or something it's isn't it a um or maybe it's seven no no it's seven. like it's like seven. Right. I, I hear that it's eight in real in practice, but it's advertised as seven. But it's <laughs> four it's like a forty minute flight to mm. LaGuardia. Oh. you know, but it's like the difference between it's being by yourself, which you could do and you guys are both welcome to come. You can come on um jet blue you can fly for a hundred or you can find tickets for 150 but i i bought mine late but, one way around oh no round trip round trip oh, oh that's not yeah, bad yeah 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 that's oh actually cameron bad. i don't know if you met cameron uh um oh yeah you know him he was oh, yeah. in my uh, uh ta at the icp but he's gonna come visit and i uh, i'm gonna try to work out a thing where whoever wants to come visit who's a photo buddy first of all <laughs> One thing about uh, being in Buffalo. A, <laughs> oh yeah, because we were just having $150 yeah, stipend. yeah. Because we were having just uh, with another photo buddy chatting and uh, like uh, you know about uh, housing in New York and and they, he was like, how many rooms do you have? Bedrooms is your place? And okay, we're renting. But uh, but I was like, I haven't counted the bedrooms <laughs> right. I've only counted the bathrooms. <laughs> I know there are three bathrooms, <laughs> but I don't know how many yeah. bedrooms are. So you we get, haven't looked into so, the West so, Wing. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, 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 so <laughs> anyone who wants to come can, um, you know, as right. so everyone is extending this offer, gets a bedroom mm. um, and uh, we'll, then I'll organize something for all the students. So some kind of like photo conversation oh, sounds like a deal all, for all the yeah, students. Yeah, that's great. Yeah.
0: No, and no, that's, you, that's know. Great. and, and you, you know, that's a way of uh, keeping connected, keeping in touch.
3: We'll see if that actually, um, you know. Yeah. That actually works. Especially when, like January, optimistic. January yeah, <laughs> yeah, comes yeah.
1: around. No, I know. So oh, I'm, that's true. I, I'm trying to maintain. <laughs> the plane is sliding off the runway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I'm
3: <laughs> trying to maintain optimism, but, of course, it's like, you know, at this stage in your life, starting something new. And it's like, oh, we're friends with one family. And,
1: right.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's like understanding what the place is, knowing what to do there. Um, You guys
1: guys just moved up in August, right? Oh, we
3: moved, yeah, at the very, yeah, we moved at the very end of July. And then, so I'm the head of the photography area, which is kind of cool. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, I'm sitting uh, at a table with two heads. (laughs) That's right. Oh, that's right. That's right.
3: (laughs) And I'm sitting at a table with two people for whom I've worked. Yes, that's right. <laughs> right, you, right, right.
0: You did a stint at Mercer back in 2008. Yeah, yeah.
3: One of the students at Mercer I'll never forget um, littered. I think it was um, Valentine's Day. Littered the dark room with um, rose petals. What? Ooh. But was like, thank you, professor, for your. She was an older Russian student. Thank you, <laughs> professor, for your generosity. This is <laughs> how I feel. About this photo, rose
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so it oh. was good. It was like wow.
2: When you,
0: when
3: you make a difference you know, every once in a while, someone lets you know you've made it. Are difference. you
0: listening, my students? Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. That, that's Dead kinda, beats. It's kind of funny because I, I had a an mm-hmm. unusual moment, had nothing to do with mm-hmm. the students. But when I the the one semester I taught at Mercer yeah. Saturday mornings. Uh, my mother sent uh, a singing telegram to the darkroom oh. so we were in the middle of photo one class and I was like wow. learning how to process film and all of a sudden this guy shows up with a ukulele and starts singing oh my singing god song. So,
3: I didn't know that was yeah. still a, a thing yeah <laughs> wow yeah. isn't too he wrote late? a
1: little custom song and everything wow. Holy cow! So Michael, what's going on? You haven't got any special things yet. (laughs) Yeah, clearly, (laughs)
0: clearly, nobody loves me. That's what it's coming down Uh, to.
3: (laughs) How's the program there? How's it going? The
0: program's good. You know, we, the whole college was on an enrollment decline past three or four years, uh, but it's all on the upswing now. Oh, so it's doing all right. Okay. Was it
3: economy related?
0: It was uh, economy related. There's also less uh, students in general. You know because. As a community college, your sort of your enrollment comes from the county, and if right. the county graduates less students, or there, or right. the county's getting right. older, there's right. there's not right. a lot to draw from.
3: Right, right. But so, what made it then be back on the upswing? Oh
0: uh, yeah. So you know, the economy coming back a little yeah, bit, we yeah, think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we also offer a lot more online programs. Oh okay. And so we're probably drawing from outside the community a oh, bit more.
2: Okay.
0: But to be honest, if anyone knew, yeah, we would have never gone down probably right right, i mean i mean the idea that we could control the enrollment is sort of a a a philosophy that's being thrust upon us but nobody's i don't think anybody's really sure that we have all that much control over the enrollment
3: yeah so part of my mission too at buffalo state is you know then i've been told so many times oh there we had 80 photography majors (laughs) Uh, I don't know, like five years ago. And now there were only 40. <laughs> we have but, you know,
0: the, for the, you. The funny thing is, my predecessor didn't have a lot of photo majors. And I yeah. almost tripled the number of photo majors that I had. Yeah. But then we also lost what's called general education status. Yeah. Where you could take photo one to, to you know, transfer as oh, your gen ed credit to another yeah, college. Yeah, yeah. And they took, the state took that away. Oh. So I had more majors and far fewer classes
2: oh i see yeah it didn't
0: translate to more enrollment there's a
3: whole other way that that works yeah yeah Yeah, and our provost gave a speech about something like if only we could have had grandmothers (laughs) that who were young mothers back then have four children (laughs) instead of two
0: (laughs) all right people get to work Uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah yeah
3: yeah um, okay. Yeah, and of course, then the you know. So I'm coming this morning from this panel discussion at the ICP uh, with Eleanor Carucci and Stephen. Yeah, Hilger, let's talk about that. Um, and uh, Fred Richin, who's the dean of of the ICP. Uh, so so it was about photography and education. This is at um, Photoville. At Photoville, yeah, yeah where I and um, three other photographers curated an exhibition of alumni work um that's a smaller version of a much fuller exhibition that's up at the icp school which i really recommend um people to go see it's up i think through like mid-november and it's actually yeah
2: we'll link i mean i shouldn't say actually it's so like
3: really yeah, yeah it's it's uh, yeah please link to it it's um there's some really good work in it that I had nothing to do with except for, (laughs) you know, noticing it. Yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, yeah. So we had this discussion about, you know, like what we should we be giving to photography students and, you know, so I'm, I'm the one
0: there was a focus on education on education.
3: Yes. uh, Right. So it was photography and education and I'm the only person who doesn't teach in New York city, although I used to, um, Eleanor Cruci was the only one who is not of a, f- a head because she's uh, you know she teaches at SVA and she participates in the discussions but she can kind of teach her vision and teach you know and do her work and then Stephen uh, presented. Um, it, you know, what, what was going on at Pratt uh, really well, like all the kinds of things that there are initiatives with curatorial and the working students who get to work with um, artists in, you know, interesting artists who've done books, help the students edit their books, you know, so things that seem uh, uh, really great uh, for the program and, um, yeah. But, but and was
0: it Kind of uh, promotional, or was there real oh, critical no, no, no,
3: discussion? No, no, the, no, there were, the, well, there, yeah, so there was critical discussion. So the question it was is one of the questions, of course, is you know, of course, what is photography? How do we define its boundaries? Um, how, uh, you know, instrumentalized should the teaching of photography be? Yeah, I think this is a subject that comes up at SVA in regard to the market and to trends. You know, this is. Something that Eleanor talked about. Um, yeah, I mean, we just by the time we got to the substantive things, it was time, <laughs> <laughs> time, time to end. And and Fred was um, was talking about um, the fact that he um, you know thinks that photography. Uh, if I can paraphrase him, has not evolved as much as it could have evolved because of, you know, uh, over the last, I don't know, like 50 or more years because of certain people's entrenched positions, but to kind of respond to questions of how... or rather, I should say, photography education hasn't hasn't evolved to ke- keep up with how photography is used in, for instance, social media. You know, like like think about the the, uh, the he didn't mention this specifically today, but this was I think in one of his articles about um, you know like pl- police brutality that you know they're like like you know oh yesterday in the New York Times they're like calling for the video of the Charlotte shooting to be released. You know, like oh. Someone wants, photo- you know, image, photographic images. Okay, you know, so video images. But someone wa- there, there is this, uh, um, you know, social il- demand and actionability of certain kinds of ph- photographs that are made that are in our cultural uh, sphere. And you know, so then the question is like, how do we as educators incorporate that? into our teaching and, uh, and you know and on one hand you have powerful vernacular photography that's you know made by people who have a personal relationship to what uh, they're looking at that's being produced and on the other hand you have these people who love the medium who you know whom you're educating but how do you like I don't think this question really got answered like how how do you teach in um, in the landscape where photography plays these other kinds of roles um so that that's that's one thing and then someone asked an interest from the audience asked an interesting question which was about um educating the um viewer of photography um rather than educating the <laughs> photography <laughs> students like that sometimes oftentimes okay so you talk about photographic liter visual literacy and and you give that to your students but then they're uh, out in the world in which uh the world is not photographically literate, yeah. and and then someone made a comment. So then we were walking around Photoville afterward, and someone made a comment. Oh, maybe it was Jonathan. Like, oh, how many photographs did you see of someone jumping over water? Like, there are certain things. <laughs> that decisive moment. <laughs> yeah, that that then become these, you know, trafficking <laughs> and yeah, trafficking and some form of cliche. And then I like one thing I realized looking at Photoville was. And I didn't get to see everything, but I did see that, like, for instance, a lot of the work that was intended to be socially conscious uh, used portraiture and writing in connection to the portraiture, like, I photograph so and so and I tell you their story. So, how do you, within the language of photography, address these things that are going on? And
1: in, in yeah, world? I just went to that uh, to the David Goldblatt show. Oh yes, I saw that actually yesterday. And I was lucky yes, enough right. to be there last Saturday when he was there, and so I got to meet him. And he gave a talk to mm-hmm, some Columbia mm-hmm, students. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the projects he has up are just that. Like he wanted to go meet people who had committed a crime, and so he photographs them yeah, where yeah. supposedly at the site of where this happened. Yeah. But they're very. Straightforward slash, I don't know, lackluster, not that interesting portraits per se, yeah. but with this long text that like yeah, just you yeah, know yeah, to wrench your heart out about yeah. they did this and this other thing happened to them yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. but to go back to this idea of you know what should be be incorporating, the places you listed were all for the most part I mean maybe you, you can talk about SVA in general but they're all art programs mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and. Well, if you go to like we're here at Columbia today. If you went mm-hmm. to the you know literature department, or if you went mm-hmm. to writing, or there's the language can be used for so many different things. So when mm-hmm. you're in uh, a class for writing fictional poetry of like your about your life and what you want to talk about, do you need to have a discussion about how? Uh, language is also used to write jingles to sell, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. cars or whatever? Mm-hmm. Or do you have to talk about, oh, but it's also great for writing, <laughs> you know, critical sure. essays on why the government should be overthrown. I mean,
2: uh, sure, sure. you know, right.
1: photography can be used for millions yeah, of different yeah. things, but where, what are you, what do you, yeah. what's the thrust of the yeah. teaching? What are you, what is the goal for the students who come in? Mm-hmm. Are they going to be commercial wedding photographers or are they going to try to be artist photographers, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call that? And mm-hmm. And therefore, if... If someone's going to be go out and they they, they want to be, you know, Walker Evans or Renika Dykstra, whoever they want to be, do they really need to be taking a class to learn about uh, how to use Instagram better. You know what I mean? It's like I, I think it's these th- all these incorporating all the things that photography mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. doing and everything gets so wide. And mm-hmm. but it's when you get down to what are you teaching for? You know, what's the goal of those classes you're teaching? Yeah, I think it can get reined in quite a bit. And I think that this idea of it being too limited based on 50 years of being restricted is talking about how do you get to talk about it as a medium where you could express something and communicate something so deep and personal versus go and have a, a body cam on a police officer mm-hmm. to show that they shot someone or or Google vans going by or all this other stuff that happens to be imagery, which is photographic, but you know, doesn't go, doesn't go under the, the rubric of, I'm a poet who, you know, uses photography to tell my, to break my hearts with, you know?
3: Well, that was one, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to, I was interested in having Eleanor on, on the panel, um, because she represents a different perspective than Fred's perspective, uh, or, you know, not necessarily to speak to her, but, you know, someone who, Makes work in that expressive vein, and she spoke about how her work attempts to deal with universal issues through personal narrative. You know, which is a particular kind of. Yeah, 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 and you could you could of course uh, uh, compare her work to literature. Um, Yeah, but you know, so so of course there there is that kind of notion of, of uh, that, I, that I think you can feel maybe <laughs> comfortable with it in, in the context of a, of a liberal arts institution of, of, a, of relating it, say, to a core curriculum, of thinking about it as a like cultural history and, and a form of literature or, or philosophy, kind, kind of a sphere uh, of knowledge, I mean, I, I, I also think about it's got to have so much to do with h- how you teach, with what the perspective of the teacher is like, you know, you use the term, the I, I use the term break your heart today because I know it comes from Tom, you know, I refer to it as, as coming from Tom uh, today. But you know there are people who have other approaches to media and there are, so there are so many programs that you look at that have completely different ideas of what how work could fun- uh, should function like should it be more you know even more more subversive more politically minded more media savvy or you know just people have 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 different agendas and i think part of it is maybe uh, like a question that uh i i think about I, I mean i i've been i i have to say you know for me this is bracketed by the fact that i've taught at institutions well you know like at, at smith college i sometimes i thought felt with students that it was um, a battle to get them to care about photography the way that I care about photography. And I just see that, you know, d- different conversations change and different things work for uh, um different groups of people you know so of course it's like yeah you take your position and you have your language and your interests and your love of the medium I just heard this from from a student recently like oh you're communicating your love of photography and that's you know great but then there's also a kind of uh you know when you face resistance like I just had a student (laughs) say to me yeah this isn't really my medium and I was like what do you mean uh a, a photographer He was like, he's like, I'm a digital photographer.
2: (laughs) I was like, okay, Fair right? Enough.
3: But it's like, yeah, because you're also serving. I mean, it depends on where, um, you know, where you teach. And I like, like, you know, so I'm new in this position at Buffalo State, and it's also like serving the students. And, uh, you know, I think you can always uh, uh, take it to some form of literacy, like giving the students uh, critical thinking uh, skills about reading uh you know images reading their world <laughs> reading reading text like how to be um you know careful lookers and not uh jump you know not 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 approach what they're looking at with a presuppositions, but to actually. Uh, confront the evidence before them, because um, I, you know, I don't think that necessarily uh, comes naturally. But uh, but at the same time, yeah, I guess I do think, you know, I think I think it's also I'm thinking about it now a lot because I'm at I'm at this public institution where it's so much of uh, a um, question. It, it, uh, there are questions about. Public education and the kind of legacy of uh, um, No Child Left Behind, like pu- public education that, uh, I, you know, and I myself am a product of public schools, but like how, how we are taught and what I we think, think. All three of us are. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, yeah. interesting. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So, how we are taught and what we think that teaching can do for us, and how to be simultaneously high minded and aspirational and like teach them about Aristotle who I think is like one of the great tools you know uh, there I had a couple of fantastic professors at Columbia in English and, and in Italian um that who, like, gave me various useful tools from classical philosophy that I used to uh, think about to to think about the making of work. So to be high-minded in that way, but at the same time, then to not seem out of touch or alienated, and to think about like technological desires that people have, and to nurture also a sense of play, which I think is something that exists. Like I don't know when social media, like where things, you know, so it's like a, a are uh, you know put it uh, like to compare it to the to uh, to teaching jingles and creative right the writing of jingles and creative writing is is that kind of like instrumentalized um, uh, uh, comparison but like what what's the comparison of um, you know doing something not in a doing a medium uh, like writing not in a high way but in a kind of I don't know more prosaic way but you know I, I, I sort of also, also believe uh, somehow that the prosa- prosaic vernacular use of course like we you know there's so much vernacular photography yeah. that mean, we you, respond to
0: you started started to talk about it. I just want to get back to yeah. it before we get too far away. It's
2: yeah
0: the conversation you were having has to be contextualized to the audience you had at the time this mm-hmm. whole giant photoville yeah yeah right um, and also you're you were mostly, um, you know, talking about programs where there is a, this concentration in, uh, in fine art, mm-hmm, right? In fine mm-hmm, art mm-hmm, photography, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the conversation you needed to have then yeah, with right, them. Right. But I can tell you if. If I started right. a conversation from Mercer County Community right. College about the right. importance of photographic education, right. we would be starting in a completely different right. place into exactly. so the the value of uh, students getting a job and the right. and the right. the ability of um, whether or not you know you have a classroom full of college level students or a classroom full of pre college level students right. and right. Out- and how and do you, outcomes. how do you yeah outcomes how do you reach how do you reach students uh, in this uh, sort of high aspirational way who who can't really write a paragraph yet right
3: and that's something too that i've confronted i I started doing something recently with uh, the as soon as students come in having them uh, write about a photograph with uh, just a tiny bit of prompting to see how they like (laughs) to measure them as they come in uh and the kind of language that they have and what uh, for instance a lot of students uh, refer to contrast. But how- like a composition, I don't know what that means. No, (laughs) no, I I didn't have, I didn't really have a composition. But I did, yeah, so how they express themselves and then you realize like, oh, okay, part of what we need to do is to work also on writing, right? So then that's a huge thing about how to, you know, uh, create an argument about something. Yeah, so it kind of gets folded into the whole Educational agenda and yeah, and there's you know the kind of socially minded aspirations that I you know that that I feel strongly, and then and then you know I also have have this idea that you kind of if you're from the working class, uh, you deserve a classical education. <laughs> I have a somewhat like silly right. idea that if you, um, maybe it's a, like the Soviet in me, that uh, if, if you're of the people, you should be <laughs> reading like great literature and uh, and uh, kind of being opened up to the potential of, you know, kind of uh, your your desire, you know, your place in a kind of, a, you know, national fate. But pers- you also started...
0: Yeah your career in a very kind of working class photojournalist yeah, style of photography.
3: Yeah, 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 I didn't, and I still always think about that my first critique here in this building when I did my MOS, started at the MFA program, was with Kara Walker, and yeah, so that's why I always remember that with my students too, like, you know, just be generous as you, like I remember the um, uh, my, my own path, that even after having studied Italian literature, and you know and then gone off as a as a photojournalist when i came back here and I showed my slides, and uh, they were photographs from Russia to Kara Walker, and that I like the only thing that I knew how to say w- was about place. So I was like, "And this is in the Ural Mountains." I believe I,
1: I believe that's F sixteen, <laughs> but it <laughs> might have that's been right. F eleven. Yeah. <laughs> no,
3: but in photojournalism, they were always like,
1: the "Oh caption.
3: yeah, yeah. Well, you know, well, the caption is more for the reader. That's like. I it, that was but you were,
0: in, you were talking about the experience and where you were. Uh, or, yeah, where yeah. you
3: were. Like, oh, yeah. And I mean, and photojournalists with each other talk about, like, how cool it was, the play you got. Right. Like, oh, wow, the Newsweek gave you two pages. That's mm-hmm. really sweet. So how many days are they keeping you on? Um and then you'll be like well and actually you know i've been parlaying it into another assignment with so and so and it's like you know in this kind of envy of staying employed right. and then yeah and so a lot of it was like oh yes yeah, sweet
2: yeah. photo. Yeah. the reuters office <laughs> asked me to come
0: back tomorrow and show them more work right.
3: yeah yeah <laughs> so um so that was the kind of language that i existed in and i had one friend who was really important to me in my photog- photographic education? Well, two friends really. Well, one was D- Stephen Hilger was the one who got me to um, to come to Columbia. Like I wouldn't have known about it. Back, I mean, you know, to work with Tom, if it weren't uh, uh, for him. But then another one, a friend of mine, Adam Schreiber, who is now teaching in um, San Antonio and was at DePaul in Chicago. Um, but he did his MFA at UT uh, uh, Austin. We were living together in um, Red Hook, and uh, and I would uh, kind of and he was f- from an art background, like he'd gotten a BFA, whereas I I never took a single. Uh, art classes in undergrad, and um, and he, I dragged him to these photojournalist parties. And one time, and he was working with with a deer dwarf, I think, and uh, photographing uninhabitable spaces under construction. Uh, these kinds of things. He was very influenced by, I think, Robert Adams at the time. And uh, and they would show his work to these photo photojournalists. And I remember one time, someone was like, "You need, you know, what your photos need? They need more heads." in them I'm like you need hands coming into the frame, you need (laughs) heads coming (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was like, but that, uh, and I didn't know, like that there were so I remember the first time he said to me something like, oh, so-and-so photographs the landscape. Like one of his teachers, I was like, landscape? Like that's gotta be the worst. <laughs> like that's kind of the most boring. Like I just didn't know, so you have to kind of nurture this, sense of this uh, taste and sensitivity. Yeah, I talked to my students about that too, about like, you know, like how, how do you acquire a taste for something, like you think you like something because you know you've been conditioned uh to like it yeah so i think it's really because of him and then and then and then Stephen hilger that i started to know that there was this other world like i just really didn't know it and i entered into photojournalism somewhat uh by happenstance also well let's
0: do let's let's do that let's go back <laughs> So you're, you're born in Moscow. Yes. And how long were you in the former Soviet Union?
3: Um, until I was just shy of seven. And then we, my parents applied to leave uh, the Soviet Union, uh, I think, when I was around four. And then it took a long, uh, three years to get permission. And then we left when I was just shy of seven. And then I followed a very typical path of called the Roman dropout path, in which you get a visa to go to Israel. Uh, so it's an Israeli exit visa. Then you fly to um, uh, Vienna for three days and you stay behind bars, like I really remembered as some kind of camp, internment camp, stay behind bars and some complex. And then you go to Italy, and then you spend a certain amount of time in Italy, which in our case was to uh two months and that's where i turned seven and then we followed on to new york city and were greeted by a jewish organization you know for expatriated russians Mm. here
0: and what so what did your parents do what
3: Uh, my father worked for the oceanographic institute in moscow um so he was an oceanographer but he wasn't say
2: in Moscow. Yeah, 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 yeah,
3: yeah, I know in Moscow where there's no there's the yeah, the Moscow. Oh, the nice view and, of the ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it had been his, well, so he, he had had a lifetime fantasy of uh, you know, traveling the seas and he got to go to Cuba when I was little actually. I think about I thought about that with having small children at home. He spent a year in Cuba when I was little doing research and uh and then and he had this kind of wanderlust so that was part of the reason that he wanted to go and my mother was trained as an engineer which isn't quite the same level as what an engineer is in, in, in the United States but she had been artistically inclined as a young girl but that hadn't been allowed to pursue it um, and so she was forced into the sciences and didn't like didn't like it and, um, and then and basically never never really worked. Oh,
0: so, so when they got here your mother didn't work and what did yeah. your father end up doing? Uh,
3: my father uh, um, took a train to Columbia University and walked into Low Library and while he was doing this my grandmother was on her knees uh, back in Moscow went next to her sister praying for him. <laughs> And then she and then he did like a tour, like a 270 degree uh, uh, tour of, uh, you know, the rotunda and then he was just about to uh, leave and then he turned around, they prayed harder, and then he turned around and he saw that there was an ad for a job at Lamont Observatory at Columbia in in Westchester doing um, something that I'm not even exactly sure <laughs> what it was, but he got a job as a researcher ah. there. So it was a pretty low level job, but uh, I can, I can yeah. tell by the
0: way you, you told the story that this is now folklore yeah, in your family. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. And
3: then and then he listened and then we lived in Far Rockaway and he listens to the John Coltrane song uh, about the uh, take the A-train <laughs> and he had a two hour commute to Westchester. <laughs>
0: and the rest <laughs> each, is
3: history. Each way. Yeah. All right. And then.
0: Then you came to Colombia to study uh, Italian?
3: Yeah, so well, I studied uh, liter- uh, comparative literature as an undergrad with a double major in Italian. And, and uh, yeah, and I did a lot of. Cr- you know, criti- comparative literature one does a lot of critical theory at the at the undergraduate level, um, and I kind of uh, became frustrated with it, I guess, and and turned to Italian as a kind of more you know, specific discipline and I got into a graduate program here I he applied here and to NYU I was going to apply to the Oklahoma School of Aeronautics to be a pilot uh, because that was going to be my other
2: plan, <laughs> back up, my backup plan. Right. but they
3: had a later deadline <laughs> than Columbia and NYU <laughs> So, wow. I had already heard back from here. And then I decided. I hope to- listening to this show, <laughs> yeah, they yeah, yeah, yeah. That but they it's need fun- to move that yeah.
1: deadline up. Anyway,
3: but it's funny how, yeah, you know, like, like when you're young and you don't have mentorship, I don't think, because I went to a big state school, I really didn't have any mentorship. So, I think I just looked to my friends to see what they were doing. And uh, yeah, and this was like, I think, applying to. Uh, graduate school seemed like the only thing that I couldn't, that seemed like a concrete sort of plan. And then when I got into the program, I uh, I got nervous that I didn't know like suddenly it was out of nowhere like I'm you know I was a reasonably good ri- undergraduate writer and you know seemed smart and did well on my GREs but I didn't know that I had that kind of burning passion for Italian literature mm-hmm. I mean you know or for the study of it at the graduate level I don't didn't even know what that meant and then I went to see the chair of, of the program and I And I was kind of like I have a kind of like unfulfilled fantasies and I'd like or something like I'd like to defer for a year. And uh, she was like, you know, if you defer for a year, you might not get in next year. You're lucky to have the full uh, fellowship. Anyway um, I, she, I got her to agree to give me a semester off and I went to Brazil for a semester and, uh, and, and it was, uh, and, and I didn't really do photography there. Like I taught English and explored Brazil. I didn't really know what I was doing, but then I came back totally confused. Like, like Portuguese came out of my mouth when I tried <laughs> to speak Italian and, uh, yeah, and just wasn't, I would you know, like I did okay in it, but I don't, think I would have ever been great at it and yeah but you
0: know I don't I'm not sure we know why you picked Italian yet oh
3: why I picked Italian was it was it your short stint there Uh, yeah yeah I do think that it was a very intense experience the the uh, John Paul II there was an attempted assassination against him when I when I was there um, oh yeah in Italy I dropped a doll I lowered a doll on a string from my balcony Um, And and then The string broke and the doll fell And then I had to climb over a fence To retrieve the doll And some Italian woman with long long Nails you know Took me by the arm And like pierced me in a way that I've never Forgotten yeah so I think It was like the first sight of uh, I don't know the free world sounds Ridiculous but like Italy Italy is such a feast for the Senses so that I think it, It stayed with me I studied Italian in high school, uh, yeah, and 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 I just didn't know, like you know, a lot of your, people your, don't know how, how to choose. No, but it's behind
0: like, the from the becoming from, from behind the curtain. In but a way, I think right?
3: someone could have prodded me in some other direction, and I could have done something di- different. Like you just, it just kind of is like, oh, you can go. You're studying literature. You're, it's kind of intre- You know, you're interested in reading books. I mean, I also I wrote for the college paper as an undergrad, and I and I did photography, but I was interested in writing, you know. Yeah, so I thought that it was kind of a way to continue forward. Like, I, yeah, it it was really like the only. Path besides here, an school that that <laughs> I knew of, or like when then I went to Brazil to teach English. Like like I just didn't know how how to move forward, and I had never thought. So that. between
0: your undergrad and your masters of arts, you yeah. went to Brazil. Is that yeah, you? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, right. um, the the semester,
3: yeah, yeah. Masters of arts. Yeah, the one semester. Oh, and I did photography. So you know, I happened to live in as in when I was a junior studying abroad in Italy. I happened to live with Lindsay Dario. She's quite famous, as she just uh, uh um had. Her book optioned, I think, by Steven Spielberg for a movie starring Jennifer Lawrence. Um, in the w- her memoir of being a photojournalist, she's a very, oh. very successful photojournalist. You should interview her. Um, sure. <laughs> that uh, and she, you know, she works a lot for the New York Times magazine but she was my roommate in, uh, in Bologna like we were yeah. the two photographers and and uh, she went went on this path and and I and I was into photography too when I was uh, in in college like I, I did photography for the newspaper oh I just started photography in high school at Bronx science I worked in the dark room like I was an introverted teenager I didn't go to lunch I went to the dark room and I listened to the Smiths <laughs> and I <laughs> I printed five by seven uh, <laughs> photographs on resin coated paper. <laughs> I was really into it. Yeah. Um, but then I didn't know. I don't know why I never took a photo class in in college, except that I or I think it wasn't open to non art majors and I never wanted to take drawing. I don't know, like, you know, it's always one, uh, you you know, thinks back on the youth, like all those things, like, oh, if one had been like more strategic or smarter. And by the way, when I was at Columbia in um, the Italian program, I took several classes at Teachers College And Tom started the program at Columbia before I left the Italian. Because he started it, I think, in 96. And I was in the Italian program until 98. Hmm. and why didn't i take try to take photo one i didn't know about it like late, towards the very end i knew a guy one of his former students who had taken it but like i think if i had take taken tom's photo one class i probably never would have gone into photojournalism hmm. like i would have been disabused but I, <laughs> <laughs> but i didn't like i never i never had mentorship
0: but you did have um some some amazing experiences as a photojournalist right you and and i mean you worked for the daily news trust for uh the trust for public land and but then you also were published in many yeah, magazines yeah, and, yeah. and 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 so talk talk a little bit about you know what you uh what you were doing then
3: uh, okay so um Yeah, I went, well, let's see, it started with, uh, I I worked for the Daily News um, for about a year as a permanent freelancer. Um, in 1999 I got the reason I got that so the first thing that I did was I took a class at the ICP when I was still a student in Italian Uh, I took two classes one was with Lauren Greenfield and it was like a develop a project sort of class and I photographed Russian immigrants in New York City and they were kind of glitzy and fashionable and based on that work i got uh i started photographing on assignment for time out new york so like things started kind of moving very uh very quickly but but then i you know it's like too too long to go into everything but uh i suddenly got this bug oh okay there's one one other important moment i i was um uh, some someone who is a friend, uh, a mentor of a friend of mine, connected me with an assistantship, like an internship type of thing for a female photojournalist. I don't think she's active anymore. Her name is Rachel Cobb, uh, but she used was she used to jet around the world on assignment for all kinds of magazines. And I was, you know, she had a studio on Twenty Third Street, that block that was just just had the bomb uh, planted there. And uh, you know, and and it would help her sleeve negatives or whatever and she's like a really beautiful big uh, spread with with a dark room in her home. And uh one day the BBC so I was I had been studying Italian literature at this point and one day the BBC was on and there was a riot going on in something in Indonesia where people at Jakarta people were like running through the street and it was like scary and seemed dangerous and Rachel said god i'm really pissed off that i'm not in indonesia right now (laughs) i was like oh that's such a radical concept like it struck me (laughs) as i was so um sexy like everyone is upset it's really dangerous uh um you know people might be wishing to flee but you wish you were there to photograph it and i remember that um when I was in junior high school, I had seen a little film clip that really stayed with me, like, you know, in terms of, like, you know, mentorship. This was probably one of the moments of mentorship in my life was that, that uh, there was something in black and white. I don't remember if it was, like, from around the time of the um, world, a uh, Second World War, uh, or, or if it was older than that, but someone, uh, there was some kind of a European uh, 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 riot uh, situation going on or Or like clou- uh, crowds were Being pushed and there was uh, Like one sim- cinematographer Had uh, obviously photographed another One so so someone there was a Shot of a guy sitting on A building with it must have been older Than the second world war with like a reel To reel filming mm-hmm. What was happening And I was like oh okay So there's someone it, it, that was the first Time it occurred to me that whenever you see Something like image of what there is in the world There's someone who's bringing there's, them to you
0: There's a photographer There's a videographer yeah, There's yeah. a filmmaker And I right, was yeah. like
3: Oh that's so into play that." And everyone's so upset Who's running around on the ground And there's this person who's not There's this person who's witnessing And recording And yeah So it was like that idea That, that all of a sudden You could take the whole world for yourself As your subject matter And give yourself this this uh, job so that's that struck me as very appealing so i became uh, that that was a mission of mine for for a long time and uh and someone else some other person had coached me i was assisting a woman on a uh, for photographing a wedding and she coached me that like you gotta go to the hot spots go to the anyway i <laughs> i went to kosovo in 1999 was my first experience Uh, Or I went to, so you mentioned the Trust for Public Land, Uh, another person I I think would be really fun for you guys to speak to is Alan Chin, was a a photographer I lived with in Red Hook, was... um, He was Working And he was Nominated for The Pulitzer Prize Photographing in Kosovo Like uh, this is uh, Around the time That uh, just before The NATO bombing Of Serbia Happened And uh, it was This kind of Moment of a Surge of interest In photojournalism And someone I knew at Columbia Had Used to hire Him for the Trust uh, for Public land So he used To do like uh, photograph Community gardens In New York City And then he was was living in, in Macedonia, and uh, just very casually, I wrote to him, and he was like, come, you're welcome to stay in Macedonia, and I r- arrived in Macedonia, and oh, and I had this whole you know the rigmarole complex thing, I got my Russian citizenship back, because I had this idea that I was going to get into um, a Serbia as a Russian journalist, right. and my father, in the meantime, had moved back to Russia. And I was like, Oh, so since my father, you know, they let me do it because he, since he had been, become repatriated, I was becoming repatriated. So, um, so I arrived in Macedonia, and they were like, you know, all the cherry trees were in bloom, and and uh, the, there was this, you know, house in Skopje that he had been renting that that had like all these like Richard Holbrook books and. Just like, like all this um, nonfiction about what was going on in the Balkans. And I had been reading Rebecca West, Grey Falcon, Black Sh- Lamb, I forgot the <laughs> title, and Robert Kaplan. Anyway, there was all these just the discussions about, you know, humanitarian intervention. Like, how you know, how uh, what do we do in the face of tragedy? As, you know, the kind of like, like, what should the American government be doing? And I arrived there. And uh, and all of a sudden, right after I got there, it was like, okay, uh, the troops are going in uh, the cave. Whether they were called K for Kosovo forces, um, and all these um, uh, governments had sent uh, troops, and like the Italian military was there, was with, with these like, extravagant feathers in their caps, like they looked like they were from the rena- like, Yeah, the early right. 20th century meets <laughs> Renaissance, and uh, uh, yeah, it was just fasc- fascinating. And Gilles Perez was there, and all these big names. Like, suddenly it was like this induction into, into oh, that this whole world. romantic lifestyle. Very yeah. romantic, <laughs> yeah. And plus, like, you know, your heart I think is right is ra- why
1: people think about getting into mm. the, that kind of photojournalism. Yeah. They don't imagine that they're going to get into it and then. You know, go take pictures of parades and stuff. That it's like you're gonna go and well, be on the ground. You're gonna right. be where like things are really happening. And yeah, and then when I adrenaline. Came, when
3: I came back, then the Daily News gave me work, and so then of course then it was like, do you have a shot of him from the waist up? You know, like instead yeah. of whatever you're trying to do. And then I went back on my, own, you know, so I did it with the Daily News for a year, and then I went back uh, on my uh, own to Afghanistan before the fall of the Taliban, uh, uh, then I I can't remember the whole, the whole chronology now, but basically like I somehow inserted myself into this world of getting assignments, you know, first you cajole and then you cajole, cajole some right. more, and then you start getting assignments and then you're on the ground and sometimes the assignments work out well and you build relationships with letters. I mean, I think this is all
2: And most of gone. these were
0: after 9-11, right?
3: No, no, no well this was bef- well this was before no it started before 9/11 oh okay so I omitted the part before we get to 9 9- 911 there's the part in which then I decided to move to Israel um, in 2000, mm. and did this long tour of the Middle East, and then had an assignment in Russia to photograph for an Italian travel guide to Russia, and then was coming back, to, uh, had just moved to Jerusalem, and was and came back to Jerusalem the day after Ariel Sharon had visited the Al-Aqsa uh, Mosque. And, and set and, everything and, off. Yeah, and right. a huge conflagration, beginning of the Al-Aqsa Intifada, the again. Be, yeah,
0: the second Intifada.
3: Exactly, right. and then I came back, and again, all the world press were there and it was like so you know alive and the buzz and, uh, and I spent several months, uh, um, probably, no, you know, maybe, maybe to be, to be uh, truthful about it, maybe it was Let I can't remember if That's it was, okay. no, no, right. it was probably like less than two months in, in actual, uh, oh, no, maybe it was three months. Okay, but okay, so I spent some months photographing, working, kind of working so hard for so little reward, trying to inch my way in um, with a Reuters who didn't treat me very well. and was then, that the
0: Jerusalem office? Uh, that
3: was the Jerusalem yeah. office. <laughs> no they idea, they you know. had that reputation. Oh,
0: yes. right, right,
3: right. Yeah. yeah. They
0: had people they wanted to use and that was pretty uh, much yeah, it.
3: And yeah, and there were a lot of Palestinian photographers mm-hmm. who, you know, and the, yeah, everyone was remunerated badly, uh, uh, badly mm-hmm. and then there were a couple of people who were the staff people but who were also played the role of, of being the photo editors for the stringers. So one thing I didn't mention about Um, Kosovo was that then there was a photographer named Young Yi Kim who was a very you know important uh uh, photojournalist in her time who um uh, uh, took me under her wing when we were in Kosovo together and we became close and then she had a relationship with a, with an Amsterdam based AP fireman type photographer and, uh, and so he kind of took pity on me that I was like I'd moved to Jerusalem, I was being treated badly by Reuters, you know, here we'll help you out, we'll give you a gig at the AP, we think it's gonna work. So they gave me the gig And that very same day that I started, I was shot by an Israeli soldier. Um, She
1: doesn't mean shot, as in (laughs) shot with a camera. (laughs) She means shot with a gun.
3: I was shot Mm -hmm. with an M16. Now I'm forgetting everything. Like, was it an M6, I think? Maybe it was an M6. M6 or M16 rifle, but it was of a gauge that is you know approximately the day you can't see my thumb, but approximately of that uh, diameter, and uh, I you know, almost certainly should have died and had the whole experience of being taken to the hospital in uh, the West Bank where like I had just photographed a couple of days ago where all the, Palis- you know, they call it the Palestinian carry when, you know, four people grabbed your two legs and two arms and yeah, so, so I went through all of that and then, uh, you know, miraculously survived or not miraculously, you know, got, got quite good medical treatment and on the Israeli side yeah, so that was November of 2000, November 11th of 2000, that that happened. And after that, I recuperated in Israel for three months. And then I recuperated a little more in the United States. I came back as like a huge failure. Like, oh, so I heard you got shot in the, I'm not going to say the word that one of my friends used, which is uh R-rated. Term. R- 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 <laughs> term of R- R- art. pudenta would be the non-R-rated <laughs> yes. translation. And... uh. Uh, and then I, So that
1: made you a failure because well, yeah, you, well, you didn't yeah, dodge the yeah. bullet? Yeah, even my
3: uncle from uh, my, my grandmother's brother was like, oh, I liberated Berlin. I made my way from Moscow to Berlin <laughs>
2: <laughs> and
3: quote unquote liberated it. And I never got shot. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> but that's um, a pretty
0: high bar being set yeah, there yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> um but oh he had their photography plays a role in that also he got photographed by with next to the lucky number 21 with with his entire uh cadre uh, of uh soldiers and none of them were killed. And I think hmm. the chance of being killed was like 50%, but they have, so they have in my family archive, the lucky That's photograph. Nice. So then <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so then I finagled my way, you know, talked my way into a Getty Images assignment and was back, so within six months of being uh, shot, was maybe just over, but on my birthday, I flew, you know, so in June, uh, after being shot in the previous November, I flew to Iran to photograph the Iranian election for Getty Images, and so then it kind of continued on. So all that magazine stuff happened after, then September 11th happened, and then I went to Pakistan, But uh, but I was always a freelancer, like I was always uh, insecure in terms of work and accommodations. There was always someone who enjoyed my company, who offered me lodging like I stayed with um, in in the house in Islamabad uh, that was being rented by uh, Newsday. Um, uh, by a guy named Ed Gargan, uh, uh, who who's uh based in China, um, but you know, like, oh, we have a big house, come stay, uh, right. So there was often that kind of dynamic at play, and then and then I got assignments, but it was it was always a very very precarious lifestyle. And then I and then when Iraq happened, I uh, went to Iraq, and I had a good girlfriend who was a comrade in arms. She was a, a writer alana azernoy was her name and we we were you know spent a long time in jordan together and there was this kind of drumbeat for the iraq war like even when i was leaving afghanistan people were like see you in iraq before it was even ever announced people knew it was coming and uh by the way (laughs) yeah
0: you get shot in the pelvic region let's say yeah could have crippled you
3: could have could
0: and you went back and continued to yeah. work. Right? I just
3: fell today at Photoville. I am wearing high-heeled shoes, but which I couldn't do for because I wore a, a brace, an ankle foot orthotic for five years. But I just tripped today on a cobblestone <laughs> because, like, I am. I have a dropped. You foot. Walk. I have right. a dropped foot. Right. Yeah, um, and I have shrapnel in my in my hip. Yeah, but I went back yeah because i think i went back because i didn't want to be a
2: failure
1: i must liberate Berlin.
3: but it's also like uh what do you do like how do you know what to do when this is what you've been doing
1: but i would think though in that world i mean even when you're talking about the struggles there's still like the camaraderie of that you know Mm -hmm. of all these People like, oh, see you, see you next year, and the next mm-hmm. conflict, mm-hmm. and everything, mm-hmm. and
2: mm-hmm.
1: and there must be a little bit of. Uh, I mean, I remember hearing when uh, you hear when different photojournalists get shot, yeah, and then yeah, they go yeah. back, and there's yeah. a little bit of like. Ah, You know, like you're like, uh, you've gotten your first, you know, your first badge of honor or something because you took a bullet and kept going. Well,
3: Robert Kappa, stepped on a landmine, and you know, towards the end of his career, and that that
1: was the end of his career, wasn't it? Oh,
0: right, (laughs) right. no, but I mean, he
3: was at that point, I think he was winding down. I remember reading somewhere that he was winding down, and I was like, oh, okay, Indochina, all right, fine, (laughs) you know, and then and then it happened, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, sorry, Kai, you were saying. When
1: you you know when you guys are hanging out around the campfire, I mean yeah. that being shot, I mean it must have a little bit of uh, did that give not a little been, bit of a cred? Yeah, a little bit of cred. <laughs> Didn't did it not give you cred amongst those people? Or?
3: Someone was like, oh she I th- she can still walk oh then it's not a story I no I suppose I suppose it gave me cred but I really think the thing that gives you cred which maybe translates to all forms of photography or, or art making is to be doing it you know so kind of like you're there you you may you show your face you find a way to make it work you have an assignment, you have a mission you're involved in something. So there's like that sense of, I mean, I know, like I completely understand all the stories about PTSD in soldiers who've returned who feel completely unmoored because there's such a sense of mission to it, whether it's like simply documenting or, but I think like a lot of people feel devoted to a particular story or a particular region, kind of like I want to really see what happens to, um, I, now I'm thinking of the Uyghur the people, the other, uh, the people of Afghanistan or something like people you get involved in some set of circumstances and uh, some sense of that your story is somehow rel- related to this story like like I've read the I don't know if you have ever familiar with the book by Peter Hopkirk called the great game it's like one of the amazing page turners uh, h- historical accounts of the uh, competition for access to India between the Soviet Empire and the British Empire Empire, but all the intrigues that went on, but it's like there's some kind of sense of mission that that you take upon yourself of uh, uh, like something historical. Like I think a lot of people who, who enlist have some connection to like the American narrative in this way. So I think, yeah, I felt that connection to the stories and and to you know like like there's I, I was just thinking today that like about the a formulation and I don't know if it's correct but that is there an inverse proportionality between your reach and your autonomy. So, like when I was working in Afghanistan, or like later, say in Jordan, um, I was, you know, like I photographed heads of state. Um, I was involved in major historical moments and decisions, and with like very, very elite, powerful players in government and and military life, and uh, and so there was all that reach. That uh, that I had. And, and at the same time, the, what I did with it, like of course now, later on, I reflected, I was like, God, Jesus, I just squandered all this opportunity. Like if only I had had a photographic education before, I could have done much more interesting work, like much smarter work. And instead I just responded to the moment, to the exigencies of the situation or the media market. And I just did what I thought I was supposed to do. And then later on I got educated and I was like, oh, with photography, you could do all these interesting things but then suddenly I was in the confined and
2: cloistered right. world yeah.
0: no longer with that access yeah right.
3: so as yeah so there is the kind of seduction uh, of that access but then what do you do you know like I think with soldiers it's like oh you follow the chain of command like you take this mission on for yourself and there's a a nobility in that and uh uh like a rigor to uh not really being free in your in your actions so uh yeah so you know now all that is gone and I I, you know I don't like I don't romanticize it I'm quite critical of myself I mean there are things uh, you know we haven't even gone into but I think like I acted badly at certain things or like I made a negative contribution in certain situations as a photojournalist like it wasn't it wasn't uh heroic at all and and that's part of part of that awareness on my part was why i left it
0: yeah yeah yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on when you're out in that those sort of combat zones or even Mm -hmm. semi-combat zones Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, you do get swept up in moments while Mm -hmm, you're there mm -hmm. and then you do get swept up with with the need to get a certain photograph, mm-hmm. to make a certain yeah, photograph, yeah, and yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, there's yeah a little, some yeah. bad things happen out there too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There was a woman uh, who was uh, working for Reuters who was driving, uh, an ar- I think uh, maybe it was an armored vehicle or just some kind of Jeep in uh, southern Iraq, and, uh, and all these kids were always swarming around the journalists wanting bottles of water, and uh, the kid ran into her path, Mm. And she hit him unintentionally. And then I followed... The crowd after into the hospital, and he was brain dead, and he was like ten years old, and it was like okay, well, you know, unintended things yeah. happen when 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 you're there. But it's also like I realized when I was working in Iraq, uh, I had there I had a couple of bad experiences. Like it was very very dangerous and palpably so, um, and like there was I was in an attempted carjacking. Um, that and then I was another in another situation where there was a road rage. Like my driver had possibly cut off another driver, and uh, someone from the other vehicle uh, shot at us. You know, and I just could see that it was um, with a uh, rack. Like I was way, way over my head and uh, and I was like I you know I I started to see that the formula that you do much better if you're the puppet master like if you're the news agency and you're like oh I'm just gonna aggregate all the stuff that comes in and then you can really see interesting work or like tell a story or like put together something that's coherent and uh, if you're just the, the player at ground level and like some Uh, You know, and you're a woman. Someone's like grabbing your butt constantly, and uh, and you're fighting for an assignment, and you don't really speak the language. You know, and you don't know what you're doing there. That like maybe it's not like maybe it makes sense to stop. So yeah, so I had that experience, and but even then after that, like I then I was in Russia for a long time working for the New York Times. Not for a long time, but I don't know maybe like a year doing lots of uh, photo assignments for the New York Times. But that's when it was in Russia that I started to really think about, oh, okay, what is photography and how can I use it for myself? Because I had never, up until then, it had been, uh, since I had started photojournalism, I hadn't taken a photo for myself, hardly, you mm. know. Yeah. And that's when I started to think about this, like, notion of, like, a personal it's, project. Is that when you,
0: you come back and start shooting for The New Yorker then?
3: No, that uh, The New Yorker happened later. That The New Yorker happened when I was halfway through my MFA program. Yeah. I was Columbia. about to
1: say, yeah. so when I met you in 2006, I actually met you briefly in 2005, but uh, when you were applying to the program, but...
2: Uh-huh. Uh
1: When I really met you in 2006 yeah, yeah. when we were in yeah, graduate school yeah, together, yeah. you were still in this transitional oh, moment of yeah. you were, you know, doing stuff for the New Yorker and sometimes yeah. even flying. I remember, didn't you fly somewhere to do oh, like a mushroom oh, assignment yeah, somewhere? Yeah, to and Oregon. Like,
3: and that was really fun. Um, but difficult. Um, yeah, I think of that as being after that for me, for my sense of it, it was after the transitional moment because the transitional I do not mean transition moment, away from uh,
1: photojournalism? I just meant more More of like you're you were still doing what I would call commercial work, work for assignment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you weren't you were even though you were working, making photographs for yourself. You were still a little bit part of that world. Like we mentioned Eleanor Carucci earlier. She's doing that just to this day. Right. Yeah. So and I remember you like on the fifth floor, we used to have the color processor up there. And sometimes you'd be like running stuff through (laughs) that you had to get down to the New Yorker or or, um, or having to think about is uh, this photograph gonna please you know the picture editor there yeah, and, yeah. And, and the, and or the feedback the
3: editor in chief.
1: yeah and the feedback you would get about <laughs> like oh I remember you I remember specifically one night when you know normally during cri- Monday night crits people up there they're talking about oh you know what did Carol Walker say when you came in your yeah, studio yeah, yeah. and you were telling me a story about you know the when you were do, trying to do the photographs for going on about town in the New Yorker yeah, yeah. that uh, they were telling you like, oh, you need to get, the angles need to be more interesting or they needs to be more energized or this like, and you were like trying to figure out how you were going to yeah, yeah, make yeah. those kind oh, of yeah. exciting photographs that would please them. Yeah. Which is yeah, yeah, you know yeah. part of the yeah. the deal of that, right?
3: Uh, well, you know, I, I did I, I occasionally still do assignments, uh, but it's been a while you know since I've had kids and I've lived in Massachusetts. they've been uh, uh, rare, much rarer I did, but I did one for Marie Claire with mm-hmm. like fa- you know fashion uh, <laughs> story. Um, so it's not that I'm uh, averse to assignments or kind of think somehow i've ideologically swung in a different direction because i think just i don't know somehow like pragmatically if an assignment can comes along uh why not because like i have to say there's like a lot of hustle outside of uh, you know in addition to teaching that i um uh participate in because it's, it's just like it's you know hard hard to pay the child care child, hard to pay the child care center and the um student loan <laughs> you know, <with> yep. <laughs> center so uh yeah um yeah i mean that was a that was a model Um, that worked and I felt actually really lucky to have gotten the um, New Yorker gig like it allowed me to I mean I think one of the questions I ask myself is like how does one make it through like how does one endure and withstand this fight it's something like about being like in the boxing ring for the ninth round and it's so impossible to make ends meet and like somehow you just have to keep moving forward and so that after I had stopped doing photojournalism I I worked on various projects of my own like in you know i worked in russia and then i came back to the to the states and I worked on a body of work here um but I think I was still doing assignment work all for all kinds of like the trust for public land or new you know the local newspapers um to just just to get by so yeah I think that's all I did I can't remember what else I did to get by in those years before before I started teaching like I think it's really teaching that made uh, assignment work impossible and I remember how stressful it was with the New Yorker because it would be like oh but you're like they'd inevitably have something that ended 10 minutes before your class was set to begin and you're so like I find this now in like in Buffalo State like it's so consuming to be teaching like it's impossible to think about you know maintaining relationships <laughs> <laughs> like anything anything you know so uh yeah so it's like that that became uh, it was kind of like you have to make this choice that then makes other choices impossible
1: and it's also yeah. the freelancer's life i mean the, if yeah. you say no a couple of yeah, times in a row yeah, then yeah, they stop yeah, calling you yeah right? yeah yeah
3: yeah
1: yeah and i
0: don't want to i don't want to gloss over the, yeah. the somewhat successful career you've had also with shows and and you've just published uh, your first book the nature of imitation right and you had a a book signing at icp last summer was it or last Last year. I think
3: last fall I last had a fall, show yeah. I had a show Yeah thank you Actually that's been th- There have been A couple of things Oh yeah not everything Is uh, online um, <laughs> But yeah there was a, I Like the, just the summer In China I had an exhibition In Or this, yeah the, I had an exhibition In western China Of the work From the book But last no. fall I had Yeah yeah Because we haven't Even gotten to the part It's like funny Some but of the I, good stuff Yeah, <laughs> Well you know I, I think part of it Is like the r- The new Nature of narrative, like what kinds of things give them, uh, give uh, uh, produce a narrative coherence. Like the, the, the. So there are two bodies of work that like I've worked on in the past. I don't know. Like I mean, I'm not. I I'm done with the birds since the uh, since the book. <laughs> the the, birds. the book came out. Well, it's <laughs> just I, I I don't know. I think about doing uh, part- uh, practicing some of those techniques or finding uh, like using that language. And, and seeing what other uh, subject matter Might be uh, adapted to it But uh, but yeah, I, I started uh, a complete In a completely different direction I think for me uh, After I came out of Columbia Which had a lot to do with Columbia's interdisciplinarity Which was this like How does work uh, express autonomy How does it uh, relate to, to painting Or like the history of the avant-garde and I thought about you know the Soviet avant-garde and then about you know and then and then even like uh, with the birds it was like how to get um, very metaphorical and be interested in something like this same kind of sense of of this idea of capturing this thing that you don't know or being having a relationship with some like like, because I think the feeling of failure was something I took out of uh, photojournalism was this like you go and you have this experience and then you in the end are completely unmarked by it, even if you're physically marked by it, as, a, as in my case, that somehow the knowing is, like, always feels superficial, and so, and then, and the other thing, too, is with, uh, I was thinking about this, this is a kind of platonic formulation of, um, like, what does the artist know in relation to other, um, Practitioners like say the carpenter, and I. I will say I am taking a car a woodworking class ah. at the moment at Buffalo State, which I'm really enjoying. But uh, but you know that, that like if you you know make make an artistic representation of something, you don't have the same sort of knowledge of it as you like if you were a maker of the thing, and you know, and then the thing itself refers to ideal forms of what what the thing is, you know, in the Platonic sense. But we might speak about you know, the history of of certain types of making or certain types of of craft. And uh, yeah, so I wanted, I like I suddenly wanted to participate in that conversation about representation, you know, ideas about representation. Like this was a little bit of a kind of circling back to my Italian (laughs) (laughs) literature background. And I did another project that was from my Italian literature background, like I tried to uh, undertook and I uh, haven't finished it a, a collaboration with dante and thought about how a kind of cultural history uh, from literature per, you know can be uh, 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 you know can, can still be seem present and that, you know, how, how contemporary life can speak to what you know literature speaks of but, but yeah so photographing the birds began with photographing uh, a landscapes with horticultural landscapes but with this kind of like like using art materials for the first time creating these like backgrounds and uh thinking like in a very painterly way that like like rather you know the, the sharkovsky essay the photographer's eye like it's not uh, a process uh, it, uh photography is a process of selection it's not a synthetic process and like i wanted it to be a synthetic <laughs> process yeah. like
0: um, when, when people write about it that's they often refer to the the artifice of the Natural History Museum—the idea that, in the you know 19th, 20th century, um, you know, ca- mostly 19th century, capturing these 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 animals, mm-hmm. putting mm-hmm. them in the display that you thought would have been their natural mm-hmm. habitat, right, right? Right. Right. Which which al- already takes everything out of context yeah. Uh, yeah. as well, and of course, it's an idealized view, and it doesn't take into account mm-hmm. the. Yeah socioeconomic social and cultural yeah, history of yeah. the place or anything like right, that it becomes right. just this museum piece this display mm-hmm. yeah, and then yeah, so that's right. you're taking the work um, yeah. and sort of uh, building off of that in a sense of also including the the artifice of what we believe in photography
2: and things exactly,
3: like that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and that, um, and also that there is like you know the uh, John James Audubon killed the bird. Right. Whom he, <laughs> <laughs> whom he presented, dozens, yeah. and we were just yeah we were at the Natural History Museum yesterday with the kids. You know, looking at the, that all the animals are stuffed. <laughs> uh, I, there was a video that went viral viral recently from a, a little girl who just fa- found out what meat was and she was like yes but it's not good for the animal (laughs) (laughs) like suddenly you realize that that there is the kind of the world of the thing that's being photographed and and uh and but at the same time it's like yeah so there are these people who uh uh investigate who do know things in I don't know in the deeper sense, in the way that people can know, like, 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 you know. Uh, study and uh, understand certain factual things. Like I always remember my, you know, when I had a crisis, I went to the Bronx High School of Science for for high school. Like I at one point was going to be a scientist and then I, I suddenly was like, wait, I've gotten into English literature. What happened to, you know, that, that path? And my father said to me, what's the distance to the moon in kilometers? And I was like, that's just a number. And he was like, your brother, my brother's 10 years. Younger, who's like well your brother knows like if you want you know there's a knowledge you can have you know Kai you know INV has has much of this knowledge through uh, machine shop practice and it's like partly why I'm doing wood shop practice now is like to suddenly understand how things are made like how things are in the world and I think like that project was a sort of speaking to that, that longing to participate in this culture of knowledge acquisition like research while at the same time acknowledging this yeah the the whole like decontextualization of it that like the kind of I don't know like one is faded to have this artistic point of view like the, the first time I I, I joined a, a, a banding bird banding expedition and I had my um Fuji negative or Polaroid film for the for the four x five camera. I had the whole setup that uh, I was like, okay, great. Someone's gonna let go of the bird, and then it's gonna fl- you know fly away across my background, and I'm I've got the strobe set up, so I'm gonna freeze motion as it's flying away, and uh, you know I did this like th- seven times, and I realized I could see that I was getting nothing. Like they were gone. <laughs> On by the time my finger uh, you know, let go of the uh, Did you not study Edward and, Mybridge at all? Uh, 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 right, 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 <laughs> right. So then Jonathan so then Jonathan who was with me then was like oh let's cut a hole in a uh, backdrop like I've got this thing a deodorant with me I'm going to trace it and then we'll uh, you know cut it out and then someone can hold the burden so it's like his innovation that made the whole project possible and then I had had made a Polaroid of one of those uh, that that I thought was really uh, exciting, where finally I got it to work, and the, the, and the um, faculty member I was uh, with, uh, uh, who's who studied who studies um, you know bird eggs, was like, oh yeah, it's pr- it's it's nice, yeah, but uh, the little um, bit, the tip of the bird's wing is cut off. That's too bad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, know your that, audience you know, yes, right.
3: there's always going to be a different kind of interest like an art things will be driven by an artistic interest even if i go through these other spheres of knowledge you know knowledge yeah, yeah. activity but you were also crossing over
0: into the scientific world where people expected uh, <laughs> right. a certain precision uh, yeah. and accuracy
2: yeah
3: yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I don't know how much time we have, but one Keep thing going. we haven't talked about is the post photography yeah. project. Yes. Absolutely, nope. and things. we were getting to oh, it. Oh, okay. I just wasn't sure if uh, we're um, we're okay. Oh, we are okay, okay. Because <laughs> yeah. I know myself to be long winded.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. Know we, we are moving along. We, oh, good, we good. got into current no, work. No, good.
3: Good. I wasn't. I was worried that you would say, okay. Oh, when I interviewed for Smith, I had to give an artist talk, uh, and yeah. then it was like, uh, and then, and then you I. You like, the, the was for like time. And I was like. <laughs> Okay. Right. And, and here's, here's thank the
2: rest you. of my 70s. Yeah. No, 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 I was like, and thank you.
3: Well, I'm glad we got out so
0: 2009. So, yeah, so yeah. thank it you. It was like,
3: thank you so much for coming. No, and I really ended it there, but they didn't know. Right. <laughs> like, they didn't really do the math, no, and they were okay. This is work.
0: the beauty of a podcast where you're not limited <laughs> by commercials or uh, the next show coming up yeah. or the next <laughs> interview.
2: Right, 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 right. Well, thank I, you right,
1: for being with I us today. Uh, red, who's red.
0: waiting outside, Kai?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah
1: but uh i but given the prompt, I will yeah. talk about um you know, I think your personal narrative, like a lot of artists, winds up affecting the work that you're making, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't want to get into it too deeply, but like even your thesis show, some of the work that was in your mm-hmm. thesis show definitely mm-hmm. related back mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. all your time mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. in the working in conflict zones and everything, mm-hmm. but then you find yourself uh Uh, you know, you're a photographer, you're out, you're doing this, you're running around the world. Now you're out of school and you're, you're out with your camera and you're traveling up and down the Hudson River and doing things. And then all of a sudden find yourself with a kid Mm -hmm. and then, Mm -hmm. then later another kid Mm -hmm. and, uh, and teaching. You already talked about the challenges of teaching and how that affects your schedule. And so you found yourself trying to figure out how to continue making work given Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. new set of limitations, you know, talking about having babies not not kids that are grown up but having babies and how did that lead to another body of work that you created mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. yeah the and and even like even with the nature of imitation it, it, i had begun it before i had the uh, the first child leopold um uh, but but then I had a system in place, so that worked well. But I always remembered one of our colleagues, I think you, inter- yeah, you intersected with her also, she was in my class, um, Vesna Pavlovich, um, that she had a child when she was a graduate student at Columbia, I think she knew she was pregnant like right after she was accepted <laughs> to Columbia, and then she uh, had the, the kid. And um, and and that she was so organized, and so like Janelle and I, Janelle Covino, um, who now has two kids, also, and I always talked about it. Like she just knew that what she needed to do. And she did executed it, and it wasn't you know something that Tom says about Helen Levitt that like he like oh she didn't take any of the bad pictures <laughs> like she just I don't know if I can't remember if there was someone else from the history of photography like that who's just like oh I'm I'm only gonna take the good pictures so I don't have to do as much work but like you know with 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 the nature of imitation it uh, that that was a project that uh, I was able to continue that, that you know to do because it was sporadic enough that I could marshal all the resources to just do it and like I would arrived uh uh to the to the shoots like I was photographing on the west uh, on the um eastern coast of Massachusetts uh um on this amazing bluff where, where there was this uh bird banding Place uh, that I think everyone should visit because they let every, they let visitors uh, hold hold and release birds. But uh, you know, I had like a, a loads and loads of like I had to keep going back to the car like sandbags. You know, like microphones here uh, like stand try a, a light stands this strobe this strobe that strobe gels and blah blah blah. Like I became very uh, process oriented and I had to be so prepared with uh, you know like then I, I started. Fogging my negatives with like, so I had a neutral density filter on a flashlight in the dark room mm-hmm. on the sheets of four by five, and then organizing them, knowing so I, I I got into this whole uh, way of working, and then and then planning with the, with the people from Manomet to go out there and photograph, and then that became more and more difficult as the uh, Nature of Imitation project was winding down, and I was. Uh, uh had the first son and you know when i think that always does a really good job <laughs> with the first one <laughs> and uh, and i was absolutely devoted to um taking him out for walks twice a day you know like in russia it's you know they used to let me uh sleep on the balcony in the winter kind of like there's nothing better than fresh air (laughs) like there's no higher there's no higher good and i uh was doing the you know typical baby carrying thing and and then we had all these boxes in um from uh, mail order diapers primarily, and uh, and 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 it occurred to me to do something with like I was like oh I could do this thing on walks. Uh, with with pinhole cameras and part of it was something that too I think is nice that it came out of teaching which was that I had just decided to do a pinhole camera exercise with students Uh, and then and then we even did a thing where I think we had all the students had pinhole cameras uh, uh, pinhole photographs up on the, on the wall for presentation. And then uh, we, uh, we photographed them with that wall with four by five cameras and paper negatives. And then like the negative and the negative made a positive. And that was like, oh my God, you know, paper is designed as a negative. That's so cool. Like all of these kinds of possibilities of that uh, uh, process. Uh, you know Kind of like rediscovering the magic Of pho- photogra- photosensitive materials Yeah, so so I started doing this thing Of taking, walking around And leaving the box The pinhole camera boxes And I was like Oh, I could still make two photographs Like I tried to do various things With photographing But it's also like Living in Northampton, Massachusetts Was was um, very uh, difficult for me To connect with it Or see a kind of visual possibility in it like I know Claudio is working on that now when we have uh yeah, Claudio Nalesco, former guest oh right, right. and <laughs> talked a little bit about the the challenges of that like every time I come to New York I, I just see photo project like I'm like oh but if, of course it would be different if I lived here but I'm like oh that's a photo project you could just do this whole, every day like, <laughs> like I keep seeing different things that you could just do and it's like and and, and also so Jonathan um Uh, Stockton is uh, as my husband is a photographer and we talked about it a lot in the Pioneer Valley we're like what could we do for it was just so hard for for I just I don't know why I don't know (laughs) but uh but yeah so this was something that then seemed possible and uh and then I was making all these um Uh, photographs of uh, like during our our nature my nature walks with Leopold and I would leave the boxes out and then I would pick them up and I had these photographs and then it occurred to me at a certain moment that I was like I realized that there and it's something that I've observed since that oftentimes people who use historical or alternative processes photograph somewhat touchy-feely uh, well, <laughs> like they they, they go back type. to
0: the still lifes of feathers and uh, things yeah. like that, right? They, yeah. they go, they go yeah. back to the nineteenth century subject matter uh, sometimes. That,
3: that's right, like a yeah. kind of pictorialist vocabulary, yes. Yes. right? So, um, so then I was like, uh, it, it like started to get um, frustrated with that, or think like, what else could I do with it? And then the yeah, I think I had like some motion blur or something. But it occurred to me that I could I could send the camera the box on a trip and have its results and it was it's like such a um like not such a big deal and it's like I feel I, I keep thinking about it it's like a puzzle that I'm trying to solve but I told my uncle in Moscow on the phone I was like you know what I invented something <laughs> it's so silly like oh i invented this pinhole photography technique of mailing the pinhole camera because like usually when i think of things people are like oh yeah you haven't seen so-and-so work <laughs> oh i just know right it. that's annoying right? right right. so this is something like oh okay i'm doing it and no one else uh, you know uh, yeah and 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 also it was just striking that it worked right away it was just like all the conditions of reciprocity failure and packages that stay. So still we we are talking
0: about the post photography yeah, series of work. Series, yeah. And so you were mailing this camera around, shipping uh, it.
3: Yeah. No, where no, was no. it going? <laughs> right. And how did to get back to you. So, so the first one I shipped was to myself, and the result That's was cool. incredible. And you could see the trees on the street, like where the mail truck stopped, and then you could see the fluorescent lights of the of the shipping facility. And um. And this work is yeah. on your
0: website, and so we will link okay. to it. Yolo, oh, okay. and um, and along with many of the other mm-hmm. things we've been talking about, including some earlier work, but al- oh, also all okay. your photojournalism is on your uh, website. That's, right, a that's lot right. Of it, right, that's right, yeah. that's right, yeah. Yeah, so you're shipping uh, these pinhole cameras around. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, so I'm shipping the pinhole cameras, and um, yeah, and then like, you know, it like, was really excited by a result, and it's also that kind of immediacy. So I think like I'm somewhere in that, uh, uh, you know, tension that purgatory between not appreciating the immediacy of the digital, which is like, oh, you put the card in the SD card reader in your computer, boom, and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like with the digital, I think I I I feel at times because okay so with the nature of imitation I shot four by five negatives and I spent so much time working on the scans we had a dusty flex tight scanner and so computing and computing ad nauseum and thinking like oh I'm you know what I I'm someone who sits at the computer with a mouse and then I thought like I think I had a visit there's a painter I went to school with Josephine Halverson who just makes ravishing paintings from life she always paints from life um like kind of like a plein air painter but she has a very uh uh, photographic eye and just incredible color and you know and her work is is now highly acclaimed but uh, I was like, in the time that it takes me to work on one file in Photoshop, like Josephine would have made like two exquisite paintings. <laughs> you know. And I really think that is something about photography. Like it's a value, you know, the relationship to time and the value, it's like a humble medium. And then it, it's this, you know, with there, there are other uh, factors of time where like, you know, the questions of how to put the touch back into the thing Um, and uh, yeah so it's like with this that the fact that there was no negative and you could go and you could do it and this was it and it's like a high-stakes game because if you screw up the developing and having my hands like putting on gloves and in the develop in the developer and figuring out and doing the wrong thing like pulling it out before it's done or figuring it out how to get the best separation of tones just through the dilution of the developer. it's one of a kind it's one of a kind yeah and then it's silly because Cause of course like when I teach photography you know the, the thing you like I I don't know if you say this but you say like oh you've got the you've got Louis Daguerre you've got uh, William Henry Fox Talbot you know the that uh, um, whose process was more revolutionary like oh using the negative as a matrix for the positive and and everything about photography and communication and dissemination you know leading to our earlier conversation about about media and you know yeah. the Uh, uh, like politics and uh, yeah and then you've got you know know, so then like I'm very skeptical of my own uh, fetishization of of the hand and I understand my own kind of envy that's at play where I want things to be more hand-like and you know and I teach students to appreciate like gelatin silver Prints like what a photograph looks and feels like, like the way it curves and how like there's a kind of tactile realness in that and uh, uh, like a real beauty Um and yeah, so 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 it's like being involved somehow in that was was a real treat for me, but it did have to do with this kind of expedient thing of like, yeah. I could do it, but it, it's, it, and it's funny. There, so there's something about labor that's invisible because when you make, um, like, because like, I'm also working oh and there's work that's not on my website too oh, but like be- before we yeah, jump yeah. jump ahead to another yeah, project yeah, I mean yeah. you call
0: it post photography yes. and of course you just mentioned Talbot and Daguerre and yeah. I mean you're basically using a, uh, a very early camera lucida yeah. sort of proto-photograph process where yeah. they were experimenting with salt prints and, and things right, like that right. and, and and some of them even look more like photograms than photographs right, and right, all. Right, right, so, right.
3: Even though I'm quite proud of the fact that right, they're actually photographs. Right, they're right. not photograms. <laughs> so, so why the yeah. name
0: post-photography? Oh,
3: well, it's a pun on because they're posted by mail.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't get that? No, oh, I thought it was, oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you were making some sort of statement about after photography. <laughs> the, yeah, I Well, of resp- course, that's implied. There's I'm like
3: a, responding yeah. to the after photography with the really dumb, I mean, you know, like Gary win the grounds like it's, stock uh, it's US post
2: photography yeah
3: yeah i probably should uh, yeah you know what you probably should be US post <laughs> Postage photography yeah so but but it's also this like like in the era after photography and all the kinds of things about the failure of photography that there is still something about uh, like photo like the magic of photography that really uh, uh um kind of a juvenile thing of of going into the dark room or seeing like seeing what kinds of things happen like how things look on a on a sheet of how how things appear oh, okay. on a sheet of paper like what photographs can see <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and it all right right and it does relate to photojournalism be- like because of this you know like I was saying with the, the constraints of of family life it's like became some kind of metaphor for the being able to to go out in the world yeah. and to infiltrate spaces. But like instead of infiltrating these high stakes Hot things. Zones. Yeah, right. it was like, oh, right. You know, and I had very, like I had uh, boxes destroyed by the post office. I had a, a very antagonistic relationship with my local postmaster. <laughs> they try. I got a cease and desist letter. Oh, wow. It, well, you're, you know, I, I tried to get Will permission.
1: You tell the story about how you tipped your hand. Oh, I know. Well, how did I they t- find t- out? T-
3: my hand almost immediately because i um i i I came in and i had i had uh written the mailing address on the um bottom not on the pinhole side Uh, but on the verso side and then i came in and as i was handing it in i said wait a minute wait a minute i wanted to look up because you know as soon as she's like typing it in and i was just like i'm like Guess what? This is a camera. Oh no. You know, it's just like, "Oh, I don't know if you're allowed to do yeah. that." And then they knew, oh, so then I was so excited when I got a, you know, box number 3 and I or box number 2 and I quickly repackaged it the same day and put it in the mail again, and then it never arrived and it turned out it was uh, had Held been destroyed up. because yeah. someone was like, "Wait a minute, I just processed this one. Oh, it doesn't feel like it weighs anything." But I've had, you know, so some recently an Amherst I thought I would have some uh, when I mailed some boxes when we were leaving. I was like, Oh, these boxes can move to Buffalo via post. And because uh, I'm always like, No, 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 because they they don't never like the way I've taped my boxes and they want to retape them. And I was like, No, 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 don't tape over no. here. No, no, no. No, if I'm going to
0: record the uh, post, <laughs> yeah. post office delivering yeah. this ju- whole process, yeah. I, you can't and, tape over there. And this
3: lady was like, Is it a camp? Why is there a camera in there? I was like, No. She was like, what's in there? I was like, paper. (laughs)
0: no there's no camera in there the whole thing is a camera
3: it's like paper (laughs) so uh, yeah so so I don't know but I'm but I you know I I am thinking like you know every once in a while there's real surprising novelty and what what it looks like or how it feels that it relates to place and then I think about that too like as a kind of diary of where I've been like my you know oh I went and I took it here like I I really appreciated that the really uh, banal environment of Western Massachusetts was represented in its <laughs> own oblique way like like oh from East Ham mailed from East Hampton to Nora to Williamsburg Massachusetts and then mailed from Williamsburg to uh, you know Amherst or whatever so and some of them were mailed to friends and then you can see like a friend's vestibule like in the house where they live like certain kinds of things so that's something I keep wanting to do more with it of like ma- making it a conversation, but uh, with people and try- trying to get it to be more about place. Like uh, there is one thing that I started, but I don't know if it's uh, I haven't yet developed the film with a, an eight by ten box of just making photo like a quick exposure in various places and thinking about it as a kind of diary. But I haven't yet developed the film, so I don't know. We'll see. Mm. But but it's just you know yeah I'm just just keep thinking about. How how to use this you know, the photographic technology in a like some kind of answer to the way that photographic technology is used uh, um, inevitably Around us Like you know Like the camera And your computer Or all of those Kinds of
2: things
0: That's just for the NSA To use, <laughs> right, right, the, uh, right. to turn right. on right. right right So here you
3: are And like You know what, what what agency Can you have With cameras Like how How can you You know Like I was of course Very interested in Tom's uh, You know The poll mm-hmm. For uh, For For photographing The dog shadows And I recently Took a Is oh, Uh participated in a photogrammetry conference at Do you know about photogrammetry? No. Oh, what is
1: they, they about? look at photographs and they use the angles to backtrack and figure out where they were taken or the distance, uh, well, this, no,
3: this is this is different actually uh, this is a, a di- they're using this name for something else mm-hmm. which is you uh, with overlapping photographs you can photograph objects so this is something was run by the conservation department at Buffalo State you can photograph objects and then you can uh, uh, put them in or places and they can be big sites like you could do anything uh, as long as you can D get it for 3D modeling That's and And then they're very kind of antiseptic because you're not you're supposed to have flat lighting you know so they look they're very lacking in sensuality the kinds of images that get produced but you know they rotate but there is this kind of thing about uh you know virtual memory like monuments or or there's that the nefertiti yeah, the uh, people hoax. That made the hope, y- yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but uh, yeah, so it's kind of in, it's just something about like like there are all these innovations that are going on. Yeah. Um, so it's some uh, you know, it I is don't the know. same
1: thing I was talking about. It's just that the technology that allowed them to analyze one photograph, mm-hmm. then they built it, then they Added more to it oh, and use that see. geometry to build something on top uh, of it.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Um,
0: so so what is this uh, this new
1: project oh, you were going to bring
3: up? Oh, I was just wanted to say. Well, I don't know yet how exactly it's going to go, but I will say that. So um, among the things that I've been doing, so there are these kinds of you know more process. Base things that that we talked about, or you know, like I don't know, I think about them somehow as as investigative. And then there are these uh, 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 this other way that I continue to photograph. Like I realized I was um, really missing it when I wasn't doing it, which is just <laughs> just to photograph. So one of the things I've been doing is um, uh, photographing. Childhood photographing family life with one of the, the camera that uh, Kai and Tom built, uh, the, the the Cyclops. Cyclops. Yeah, Owenja uh, always gets a lot of attention. Um and in black and white film and uh uh you know, developing it and I I haven't I've made very few prints yet, but but uh that that's one thing. And Some of
1: these can be seen on oh. our conversation on a new nothing. Oh that's
3: right. And you posted a new photograph I oh, yeah. and I need to answer it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm and so slow and and we're fun. both so slow because we slowed was, down
1: on purpose, I think, which is good. Oh, oh. I think good.
3: Well I th- also think it's because if you're going to make new work, and then it has to go through the whole workflow. Yeah. Yeah. For, well, for our, yeah.
0: our listeners will know about a new nothing from a uh, previous episode. Yeah,
1: previous episode we just uh, interviewed Nat Ward and ah, Ben Alper, so okay. it ties in.
3: Yeah, I think it's a really wonderful idea, and it's like, yeah, so good to. Um Yeah, by the way, I think you're so good at it, like so thoughtful, the replies are so thoughtful, like so connected to what I've done. And it's also interesting, I, I kind of think with us, but also a lot of the conversations, that there's a relative transparency between the artists and the pairs that you don't wouldn't necessarily know which one is which. With us, you would say like, well, oh, if there's a kid in it, it's one of Yola's, mm-hmm. maybe, right? But, or if it takes place in New York City, it's one of Kai's but there's also a lot of the the kind of medium itself of, of mm-hmm. 6 by 9 film and how it deals with light and, like, you know, we're both very sensitive to light. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, and the photographs are, like, thoughtful and in a yeah, certain way. it's been way.
1: very challenging. I mean, I talk a little bit with those guys about how... So I immediately thought of you to pair with, but then I...
3: Oh yeah, why did you think of me? Yeah, I, I don't actually, remember I exactly
1: why, that. but <laughs> when they asked me, I was thinking who I was going to do it oh, with. Oh well, you
3: said you owed me one. I was uh, <laughs> oh, that it? Yeah. And you, uh, yeah, but I wasn't. Yeah, that's. I was flat. No, I yeah. was happy you invited me.
1: But that, and then I talk about like the first picture you threw up. I realized yeah. how challenging it was going to be, because uh, right, like, right. wow, I, you know, I don't have a picture of a naked boy standing at a window, uh, right. like uh, right. embracing the world. You know, like, <laughs> right, right, it's right, like, right, Wow, right, this is right, going right, to be a challenge. Right, like our
3: lives are so different. Yeah,
1: at that point especially. Well, yeah. Probably to this point too, but yeah. still. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, so oh, some sorry. of this work of the of like from your family life and everything, yeah. you can get a little glimpse of it maybe from yeah, yeah. looking oh, at yeah. our new nothing, uh, dot com. Dot com. Dot com Yeah,
3: and then then that, that uh, uh, you know then segued into doing some other things around childhood, but that's somewhat, you know, desultory yeah. But, but ongoing um, But so then I started I uh, had an opportunity Because of this exhibition in China To go to To do uh, a residency, Qu- they called it a residenc- residency, but basically, like to go somewhere to photograph along the theme of the Silk Road, yep. and uh, and I had such a kind of crisis figuring out where to go. The budget wasn't huge; it was, you know, but paid for by the Chinese government. And uh, so, within the set of constraints of where I could go during the summer, and I was like, you know, oh, the refugee crisis, or like, I like, I kind of put my foot photojournalist hat back on or or then i was thinking of continuing with dante and italy or had all these thoughts and then uh and then suddenly uh, it occurred to me to uh, uh start a project in hawaii which is where my brother um grew up and my mother so after we came to the united states we lived in new york for a long time my father Uh, Moved back to Russia and my mother continued her westward journey (laughs) And uh, ended up in in Hawaii. So they separated. Yeah. Yeah, they sep they separated and uh, Yeah, so she's lived there since 1995 And uh, my brother, you know considered like he passes oftentimes for an ethnic Hawaiian just because I don't know if you can see it in me and my features a little bit but like there's it's almost like the way like the world connects on the other side like yes. my russian is a kind of asianness and you can really imagine like the yeah. land bridge with california mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah so um so i've been been going there since uh 95 or 96 and i've always had a very fraught relationship with it because of yeah i have a fraught relationship with my mother and uh, I never much cared about it and was never especially curious <laughs> about it. And then at Smith, I, I had a colleague who's an installation artist, Lynn Yamamoto, who's from Hawaii and, and did all this work. So she was of Japanese extraction, but you I know, started to kind of realize that it's this place where everyone, it, it, it's like this... Uh, utopia that like, like a place everyone wanted to colonize and like the Japanese wanted to colonize it and uh, and of course like the US annexed it and uh, overthrew a, a royal family that had only been in power for I think about a hundred years and uh, it's this like very you know it's not uh, I, unlike maybe other stories like this is something that might yeah, be I mean, there,
0: there's a, a large population of people they refer to as Hapa on hawaii half uh, japanese mm-hmm. right half hawaiian mm-hmm. And
2: mm-hmm. yeah
3: so yeah yeah but so it's like the story of like a kind of native uh, story about thinking of what happened to native people that like you know if you lived in washington state or something you'd be sensitive to but but it's also i think in um in hawaii it's the way so this is where kind of photography enters into it uh, or you know, historically, is that it's been branded as this paradise by the uh, the tourist industry, and so it's so much uh, tied into this uh, visual culture of like waves and surfing,
1: Diamond Head, right, <coughs>
3: right, and, right. and have
1: I, Diamond Head in the background. I don't,
3: you know? I don't have uh, a name uh, for my project yet, but I've thought of something about Diamond Head, <laughs> um, but uh, and and I even still struggle with the idea of like you know when you go to another place how can you like re- it takes so long to achieve depth to gain uh, yeah. Entry And all Like all of these things Like And then it's like Expensive to go back So then you You know There are like also no, So yeah. many unfinished projects you, pick, and, like, you picked a very expensive
0: project <laughs>
2: yeah, 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 yeah 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 And, yeah.
0: and you'll have to suffer a lot <laughs> right, so, yeah. right, right
1: Well
2: right <laughs>
0: um, But at least you get to go now From Buffalo to Hawaii uh, Back yeah, to Buffalo yeah,
1: yeah Yeah
2: So
3: we'll <laughs> see We'll see if it'll remain possible But right. But yeah Like how You know So I'm photographing In, in the home And, and in the new neighborhood and like Buffalo I haven't even begun uh, to photograph yet because I'm just kind of oh no that's there. not true you're actually right. I yeah. photographed a, a little bit at Old Fort Niagara Ni- 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 hmm. um, but yeah I'm just trying you know but but certainly photographing ho- a uh, close to home or at mm-hmm. home is part of the formula but then yeah so then there's this project but I have to say it's so kind of exciting to me again to solve the problems of photography of these uh, you know prosaic things about getting Getting the right form of access, finding the right time of day, and, and then the kind of uh, uh, striving for the lyricism, and then trying to achieve coherence within the individual photographs So those things that I think like with some of these other projects, that sometimes... Uh, like I, I feel like at times like I've stumbled into a set of techniques or a language that worked and then I was allowed to exploit that language uh, until I couldn't do it anymore. But then there's this like also infinitely com- uh, complex language, which is so Unforgiving. So, so, part of it, getting back to the thing about the darkroom print, is so in a photograph, all the labor is hidden, like all the magic that all, all about everything you had to do to get, you know, to get the photograph to To be a certain way, and you know, to uh, get yourself there, and uh, you know, and and uh, but then to to produce it, to to develop and print it, and and then it's like oh, and then and then it looks so transparent. It's like oh right, it's just a yeah.
2: photograph of yeah. whatever,
3: right? So yeah. it's like such a hard problem to solve. Right. But so I actually really appreciate having it on my shoulders as a like I'm not avoiding that problem, but I'm working on all these multiple fronts and I feel a little bit like Germany or something like overextended <laughs> with too many fronts.
0: <laughs> uh, I know? didn't know where that was going. Yeah, okay.
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: you know, because I am like, I'm like, okay, how do I do new things with pinhole cameras and build cameras? But then I'm working, you know. with The, the Yola uh,
1: empire. Uh, <laughs> Stretch uh, too uh, thin. Right, right,
2: right, right. Right. <laughs> while,
3: while taking. Hopefully like it a, has a
1: better conclusion. Uh, oh, yes.
3: yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. well taking the kids to soccer. Yeah, and then another thing um, that I'm working on that uh, hopefully we'll get to talk more about in the future is uh, starting a, pub- a photography publication for uh, people behind bars, which is provisionally called Just Art and Photography, um, but to do so kind of related to the earlier conversation about uh literacy photography and literacy but also this kind of uh, idea of bringing kind of like a great work to uh, people who really could benefit from it is uh, I kind of got involved in the issue of, of uh, mass incarceration and the carceral state which is also maybe something a little related to that like came out of my interest in the po- the post photography project and then I studied and read about it a, a, a fair amount and attended various conferences but um, yeah so So something about, um, you know, maybe akin to what you guys are doing with the podcasts of uh, uh, like a a conversation around photography and potentially related activities for people, of course, who can never take pictures. Mm -hmm. And I read that on BuzzFeed that that, uh, thus far, 3.8 trillion photographs have been produced. And ten of ten percent of these have been produced in the last year. Yeah, no, which no. is like something about the yeah. like accelerated rate yeah. of photographs. And then to think like, oh, and then there are these people who have almost no access to what, uh, how the outside the outside world is right. represented, or like you know, who don't don't have access to digital technology. And anyway, yeah, and, and to kind of have an enriching experience of uh, photography. At yeah. Yeah. So
0: maybe so. we'll uh, we'll have to come yeah. back and, and yeah, talk yeah. about that one. Yeah. Well, thank you, Yolo, for giving us uh, all this time. And so you're heading back. Uh, when do you head back?
3: Uh, so I, uh, tomorrow morning, I, we fly back. All uh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well have a great trip. <laughs> yeah. And thank we'll you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank yeah. you. I enjoyed the conversation.
0: Sure. All right. Bye, everyone.
3: Bye, everyone. All
0: right. <laughs>